Well, welcome Smyrna Campus. We love you guys. Welcome everybody connecting online. We're glad you're with us today. We are continuing a message series. Uh, in fact, we're, we're winding down now to the last couple of messages. Uh, we're going straight through the book of 2 Corinthians in a, a series called Be Encouraged. When you think about uh, expectations, I think sometimes things can be built up so much that they end up being a letdown when they actually happen. Uh, today's message is called Great Expectations. There was a dad that was so excited. He had his first child going off to college. His son was going to school, and he was just expecting big things, so proud of his son. And, and he had told his son uh, that if he were able to make the dean's list, he would give him the first semester, he would give him a $500 gift for doing that. He was just so excited about it. Well, it got to the end of the semester. The son called up his dad. He said, Dad, I got great news. And of course, his expectations are so high. All right, this is great. He said, you know that $500 you promised me if I made the dean's list? He said, yes, son, I remember. He says, you can keep it. <laughs> we get our expectations up, don't we? And uh, have you ever had a friend tell you about a movie they saw and how great it was? It was just the greatest movie. It was just so fantastic on the edge of my seat the whole time and just laughed and cried. And, and you go see the movie and you think, eh, it was okay, right? I think sometimes it's because you're so built up in your head. You're expecting so much, nothing could live up to the expectation that you had about what was going to happen there. Well, in the Christian life, I think sometimes we also have these false expectations of what it's going to be like. And that's part of what Paul is talking about today. If you want to be turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, that's where we're going to be today. I think a lot of people have expectations of what it means to be a Christian and follow Christ. And sometimes I believe the church and the Christian world has been guilty of promoting some expectations that are not realistic. And when things don't go the way they thought they were going to go and they expected that they were going to go, they get discouraged and they often fall away because it didn't happen the way they thought it was going to happen when they decided to follow Jesus. There's a very popular Christian song out there right now on Christian radio by Cain called Yes, He Can. And I really like the song. It's a really good song. Except for there was a, there's a line in the chorus that I think could be taken the wrong way and create false expectations. I'm going to read it to you. He says, uh, sometimes I wonder, is he faithful? Does he see me in my trouble? Does he understand? Sometimes I question if he's able. Can he rescue? Can he save me again and again? When I look back, did he move every mountain? Did he part every sea? And then the response is, yes, he did, so yes, he can. Now, what Cain is trying to get across is the faithfulness of God and how you can depend on God. But here's the problem with what he's saying. God did not move every mountain, and he did not part every sea. He did it when it was in his plan for his purposes. He let some people have to climb some mountains without moving them. He let some people have to forge through a sea and even a shipwreck at sea for his purposes. He doesn't take away, when you decide to follow him, all of the challenges, all of the hard things that you're going to have to go through as a Christ follower. And that's part of what Paul is talking about in the section we're going to be looking at today here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to look at three things that Paul reveals in his own life 
that we can relate to if we're realistic about what it means to follow Jesus and how there are going to be ups and downs, struggles and great times, and you shouldn't expect it to be any different than that. Okay, so let's pick up here. The first thing we see is that as we're following Jesus, there will be an occasional mountaintop experience. And that's a great thing. There will be occasional mountaintop experiences as Christ followers. You've probably all had some. And Paul certainly did. Let's look at verse, uh, chapter 12 again with verse 1. He says, I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained. I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know. But, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things. Things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself, except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. If you were here last week or if you caught it online, uh, we saw where Paul had to give his credentials again as an apostle because false apostles had risen up and Paul had had to say, I'm qualified to be an apostle. I'm called by God and, and God's used me as an apostle and you need to, to stay uh, uh, aware of the fact that there's some false teachers out there, false apostles that you don't need to be deceived by. So he's, he's given some of his credentials and he, that's why he says, uh, I must go on boasting. I, he's saying, I, I want you to know what God's done in my life that allows me to lead and serve and be a part of the work of the kingdom. I want you to understand that there's been really good things and some really bad things. And he talks about this and he tries to do it in the most humble way possible. So he says, I know a man who had this experience. He's talking about himself. He's talking about how God revealed great things to him. God allowed him to have visions of, of paradise and, and all of his glory and all that. He's talking about himself, but he's trying to do it as if, you know, I don't want to bring attention to myself. But he's saying as a Christ follower, I've had some of those most amazing mountaintop experiences. Think about Paul when he just was converted to Christianity. You talk about a mountaintop experience. He's on the road to Damascus. Saul was his name he went by at the time. And he's going there to persecute Christians. And, and he's blinded by this great light. And Jesus himself appears to Paul and talks to him and, and calls him into the work and the ministry that he was calling him to. What a mountaintop experience, right? And then he sends someone to, to Saul there in the town and he restores his sight and he baptizes them and, and sets them off into the work. And, and man, you think, all right, we're off to this fantastic mountaintop experience of being a Christian. But immediately, you know what Paul had to do? He had to be lowered in a basket off the side of the wall of somebody's house hiding out for his life because they were hunting him down. Okay. He had to face persecution he had the mountaintop experience. And as Christians, we all have some mountaintop experiences. Now, let's think about this for a moment. Sue Ann and I were uh, year, several years back. We were on this retreat for pastors. And it was at a retreat center uh, in a beautiful place in Northern California. Uh, it was in the, uh, the mountains there, the Sierra Nevada Mountains. 
And it was so far remote, there was no phone service, there was no nothing, right? And, and I was in shock at first because, you know, we like to stay connected, right? We, we feel, if you, have you ever just left your phone somewhere and you panic because your whole life is on your phone, right? And, and now we get there and they didn't make it clear to us in advance that we would have no signal, no cell phone. And we didn't tell our family, we didn't tell the staff here at Lakeshore that we weren't going to have any contact with anybody the whole week. We were there for a week while we were there. And so we were panicking at first. But then we got to liking the fact that we weren't connected and we had some downtime, right? We started to enjoy that. And there wasn't much to do there except devotional time. And, uh, and uh, we had some trails around there in the mountains that we could hike. And Sue Ann and I love to hike. So we decided to go hiking up onto the top of this mountain near where we were staying. And we hiked up to the top and they had this little place set up there with a bench and some shade trees and all where you could just sit and look out over the beautiful view of the mountains. And while we were sitting there, Sue Ann said something like, this is so beautiful. Wouldn't it be great if we could just have this all the time? And I said, boy, this is really beautiful. It is. But God didn't call us to sit up on a mountain and look at the view. He called us to go down into the valley and do the work. So many people spend their whole lives trying to escape the very thing that God has called them to. We try to work and work and work so we can finally afford to retire and, and go sit somewhere and look at the beautiful view. There's a great example of that in Scripture with uh, Jesus and his disciples in Matthew chapter 17. Uh, beginning with verse 1, it says this, After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. All right, beautiful up on the mountain scene here, right? They're up there. It's great. It says, when they were there, he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. Just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters for you. One for Moses, one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, it says, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Can you imagine how Peter, James, and John felt on that mountain with Jesus? And, and they hear God's very voice saying, this is my son. I'm well pleased with him. And, and he said, oh, I love how he said, don't you want to stay here, Lord? Listen, we'll build shelters up here for you so we can just all stay in this beautiful place. We love the mountaintops, don't we? We love the mountaintop experiences. But Jesus said, no, I don't even want you to tell anybody what you saw here. Let's go. They went down to the mountain. You know what they had to do right away? There was a demon-possessed boy that he had to cast a demon out of. There was work to do. There was stuff that needed to be done in the name of God and the work of the kingdom. He didn't call us to sit on the sidelines and just look at the beauty that he created. He called us to make disciples, to be actively involved in the process. And there's not a time limit on that. There's not a time where you say, I retire from that now. Uh, that's not anywhere in scripture. That doesn't mean you can't retire from a particular job. That's not what it means. What it means is don't sit back and just want mountaintop experiences all the time. Understand that the real work is not done on the mountaintops. 
That's where you get recharged. That's where you get reinvigorated. But that's not where the real work of the work of the kingdom gets done. It gets done in the valleys and the struggles and the heartaches. Where people are being brought to Christ. And oftentimes the only time they're even open to coming to Christ is when they're going through the hard things in life. And they're looking for some help and some hope and some comfort. So let's don't think that it needs to be the mountaintop all the time or we're not really following Jesus. We are. When you follow Jesus, Jesus went through the valleys and the struggles and the hard things. And Paul is saying, I had a great mountaintop experience. I had several in my life, but, but I know God, God wasn't just going to make my life that mountaintop experience all the time. Even though I was called by him and I was serving him and honoring him, there were going to be the hard things. So the first thing is there will be occasional mountaintop experiences in your life. Treasure those. Appreciate those. Be grateful for them. Right. But don't let your faithfulness to God and your service to God be dependent on having to be on the mountaintop all the time. Your faithfulness should go deeper than that. Your consistency as a Christ follower should be better than that, that you're only doing it when you're on the mountaintops and everything's good and you're having those joyous things that you want in your life. I treasure those mountaintop experiences. I appreciate them. But friends, we have to go back down to the valley and do the work that God has called us to. Well, that leads to the second thing we learned from Paul's life here in his teaching. And that is there are going to be some mountaintop experiences, but in the middle of all of that, in fact, the norm is going to be normal human difficulties that we're going to face. That's going to be more the norm for Christ followers is dealing with human difficulties of life. I mean, that's what most days are like, aren't they? Uh, that's how, you know, being a Christian doesn't all of a sudden magically make it different that you've got to get up and go to work tomorrow if you've got a job, right? Now, you may be off tomorrow, Labor Day. Huh? Be thankful for that, right? But then Tuesday, right? Go back to work. You see, being a Christ follower doesn't mean those hard things that you have to do on a day-to-day -day basis disappear. They're still going to be the normal human difficulties of life. Let's look at verse 7, what Paul says. He says, I refrain from talking about that so much because of these surpassing great, surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Oh, wait a minute. He had this great vision of paradise, right? God allowed him to see this wonderful thing. And, and, and he was celebrating how great that was. And it was just beautiful to be in the presence of God and, and para see paradise and how great it's going to be. And then you think, all right, he's called by God and God's blessing him so much. And the very next thing he says, but, but God gave me a thorn in the flesh that I was going to have to deal with. In fact, if you read through, he says three times, I asked God to take it away. I thought, this is not right. I don't need to have this. Now, we don't know what the thorn in the flesh was. You know, some people jokingly said it was a wife. I don't think that's the case. <laughs> I don't think that. Though a bad wife can be there, right? But a good wife is a great blessing, so... I don't think it's that. Uh, we have some hints in Scripture. I don't know that we can 
we're not going to know for sure, but we have some hints in Scripture. Like one time Paul says, see what large letters I write with. Now, if you have a struggle with your eyesight, how do you write large letters? Right? We don't know if it was his eyesight. It could have been. There are a lot of things that could have been. Maybe it was that. But whatever it was, he asked three times for God to take it away. And what was God's answer every time? No. Now, you might think that seems awfully mean. That seems awfully hard that God would intentionally allow Paul to have this thorn in the flesh. And even though Paul didn't want it and he asked it to be removed, God said no. But I thought he moved every mountain. I thought he parted every sea. Why didn't he take away that thorn from Paul's flesh? Well, God even revealed to Paul why he didn't. He said, because my strength can be more clearly seen in your weaknesses. He knew somebody that had had the kind of mountaintop experience Paul had. What could happen in the flesh and our nature is we get conceited. We, we puff ourselves up more than we should because we had this, this experience that nobody else had, right? And we could maybe go around bragging about that great mountaintop experience we had. And, and other people could say, well, I've never had God. I've never did anything like that for me. So to keep him from being conceited, he says, God gave him this thorn in the flesh to keep him humble as a servant, not thinking of himself as being above anybody else, even though he had had that great mountaintop experience with God. Sometimes we get puffed up spiritually because we've had such great blessings and some wonderful things happen in our lives. We just think we're just so blessed by God and it's because we're such good people that we're so blessed by God. Now, don't get me wrong. There are blessings that come with being obedient. They're just natural consequences of being obedient. But blessings are just what they are. They're blessings. They're gifts from God. And you haven't earned them. So if you get to have some, it's a wonderful thing, and you should be grateful for it. But you should never get puffed up as if you are somehow more in favor with God than anybody else because you have some blessings in your life. There are people that don't know God at all that seem to have a lot of blessings in their lives, too, in a lot of ways. If you look at blessings as material things and things like that, a lot of people that don't know God or honor God in any way have blessings, if you want to call those blessings. So that doesn't make you anything above anybody else as a Christ follower, that you've got some blessings in your life that are good. So what's going to happen is this. If we decide to follow Jesus, we need to be clear about this because there's some pastors out there today that aren't very clear and churches that aren't very clear about this. You see things like your, your best life now. You just follow Jesus, right? Everything's going to be good. And it's going to get better and better all the time if you just stay faithful and follow Jesus and send in your offerings regularly, right? But here's the problem. Those people get built up thinking that's the way their Christian life is going to be, and then hard things happen. Hard things happen to everybody, whether you're a Christ follower or not. Challenges and struggles come, whether you're a Christ follower or not. In Matthew 5, 45, he says that, that you may be children of your Father in heaven, Jesus says. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, you, God sends rain and God sends sunshine. In both cases, you get both. 
The difference is the Christian has God to go through those things with. The non-Christian doesn't. That's the difference. We have God's presence, God's promises, God's faithfulness as a Christian that other people don't have. But it doesn't mean he's going to move every mountain and part every sea in your life. Sometimes he's going to allow the mountain to be there because you need the mountain. And you need the struggle of climbing the mountain and learning to depend on God while you climb the mountain. Learn to be humbled that all the good stuff you had up until then wasn't just you, it was God allowing you to have it. And the struggle can turn you back to him again. You see, we need to know that in every Christian life, there are going to be great mountaintop experiences and there are also going to be normal human difficulties in our lives. Just look at all the deaths in our church family in the past week, two weeks. Normal human difficulties. Every family will experience this along the way. I'm always amazed at how many people, when they have a death in their family, act as if they were totally unprepared and surprised by it, as if they never thought it would happen to them or their family. How many families do you know that have lived long on the earth without any of that? None. Why, why is your family going to be the exception, right? That's not cold-hearted. That's reality. And that's why we need God so much. That's why we need to have that relationship in place already. So that when those things come, we have the strength. We have the source of comfort and, and, and the strength to take that next step that we've got to take while we're going through that. That needs to be in place because we know ahead of time there are going to be difficulties, even for Christians in this world. Sometimes the difficulties are because we're Christians. We're going to face some of those difficulties. Just look at our Afghan brothers and sisters right now. Because they're Christians, they've got greater difficulty in life than they would have if they weren't Christians in the sense of physical struggle that they're going to have to go through and threats for their lives. You see, he doesn't move every mountain and he doesn't part every sea. I still believe he can. I have no doubts about God's ability I just know God's will is not always to move the mountain or part the sea. So let's be prepared. Let's be close. Let's stay connected to him so that when we have the mountains and we have the struggles and we have the, the seas to cross and all of that, that we've got that relationship with him in place already, which leads to the third thing that Paul really emphasizes in this section of scripture, this letter. And that is we need to be reminded of the sufficiency of God's grace for our lives, the sufficiency of God's grace. Let's pick up uh, with verse eight. Three times I plead with the Lord to take it away from me, that thorn in the flesh, but he said to me, what's his answer? My what? Grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And that's why Paul says, all right, here's, here's my response to that. Therefore, I will bo boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. And here's why. For when I am weak, then I'm what? I'm strong. That's when God's strength is seen in me. If we would grasp as Christians this concept 
love and appreciate the mountaintop experiences. Be thankful for them. But don't expect your whole life to be that. In fact, here's the problem that we've had in our culture today, even among those who aren't Christians. And that is we want the mountaintop experience all the time. That's why we've got all the entertainment resources we've got and, and, and uh, all the theme parks and, you know, all the things that we got. We want to go to the next thing that will give us that experience and go to the next thing that will give us that experience again. And, and that's why we have drugs and alcohol problems because we want that experience one more time. We want to have that mountaintop experience all the time. And it lets you down because you can't stay there. If you lived at Disney World 24-7 all the time, some of you think it would be great. But you know what would happen after a while? This gets old. It won't be your happy place anymore if you're there all the time. It won't be. So we've got to stop thinking God owes us this mountaintop experience all the time or we're not going to follow him. And we're not going to be faithful to him. And we're not going to serve him if he doesn't do that for us. He never promised to do that for us. We're going to have some occasions where we have some of that, and that's great. But the rest of our Christian life is going to be the daily difficulties that we all have to deal with. But his grace is going to be sufficient for us. And that's what we need to learn most of all about God. Is even with the struggles and the valleys, even with the mountains and the seas that we have to cross, his grace is enough for all of us through all the things that we're going to have to face. His grace is enough to not only get us through it, but to bring good out of it. I, I love what, what Paul said in another passage, and it's all things work together. God works all things together for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purposes. Which things? Say it. All things. The good things, does he work those for our good? Yeah. What about the struggles? The bad things. Does he work those for our good too? Absolutely. See, that's what his grace does for us. His grace is enough, even for the hard things, the bad. In fact, some of the best things come from the hard things and the struggles that we have to go through. You could probably say this is true in your life. I think most everybody could. When I respond the way I should to struggles, here's what happens to my relationship with God. It gets better than it's ever been through the struggle. And the mountaintops are great, and I love God in the mountaintops, but man, when you, when you see him carry you through the struggle, that's when the relationship deepens and matures. It's like in a marriage. If you go through a struggle together as husband and wife, what does that do to your marriage? If you stick it out, if you go through it together, your marriage gets stronger, doesn't it? Your relationship to your spouse gets stronger when you go through some things like that together. Not when you separate and, and you know, get, uh, give up on it during the struggle, but when you stick it out through the struggle, that's when it deepens even more. And that's the way it is with our walk with Christ and our relationship with God. We shouldn't expect God to give us the mountaintops all the time. In Matthew 6, 34, Jesus says, teaching in his Sermon on the Mount, he says this, therefore do not worry about tomorrow. Why? Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough what? Trouble of its own. Was Jesus a health and wealth gospel preacher? No, what did he say? 
Each day is going to have enough what? Trouble. Each day is going to have enough trouble of its own. Why would you expect it to be any different when he's been honest about it the whole time? He's told us the truth about it the whole time. Each day is going to have some struggle, some trouble, some hard things. There are going to be mornings you don't want to get up and go to work. Maybe most every morning for some of you, right? <laughs> but you go through the struggle, right? You get up and you go. Why? Because it's the right thing and you got to pay the bills and take care of your families, right? That's what you need to do. And what God can do is bless you and your family through doing those things that are hard that you have to do. So we need to know there will be those mountaintop experiences, but there are going to be a lot more normal human difficulties day in and day out that we have to face. But God's grace is sufficient for those things. In John 16, verse 33, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he knows the struggles they're going to face. And he's been honest with them about it. He's even told them about what's going to happen to him and they haven't grasped it fully yet, but he's told them that he's going to be betrayed and he's going to be crucified. Verse 16, uh, in chapter 16, verse 33, he says this, I've told you these things so that in me you may have, what? Peace. Why is he telling them these hard things so that they can have peace? Well, I mean, we want to have peace. We want to be told good things, right? But Jesus has just been telling them about the hard things. And he said, I'm telling you these things so that you can have peace. And then he says, in this world, you will have what? Trouble. So he's saying, I'm telling you this stuff so you can have peace. But in this world, what are you going to have? Well, where's the peace, Jesus? All this hard stuff telling us in this world we're going to have trouble. Where's the peace part of this, Jesus? Here's what he says. But take heart. Here's how you can have peace. I have overcome the world. That's where the peace is. It's in Christ we know that the troubles of this world have already been overcome through him. That's the peace. That's what you hold on to. That's the thing that gets us through. It gets us up and it lets us take the next step when we've just been crushed by something. We can get back up again and go again because of that that presence of Christ that gives us the ability to be at peace no matter what's going on around us. The world so misunderstands peace that we think the peace God promises means all wars are going to end and all struggles are going to end and everybody's just going to get along and be nice to each other and that's not the peace of God. Jesus says, peace I give you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives. It's not like the world thinks of peace. It's the ability to have peace no matter what storms are happening all around you. That's the best peace of all, isn't it? Because in this world, what are you going to have? Is it always going to be a mountaintop? No. So if you're really going to be able to have peace, it's got to be a peace that will be there even when the mountain's not moved. Even when the sea's not parted, you can still have peace. And that's the peace Jesus says, I give you. I can allow you to have through me, in me. Why? Because I have already overcome the world. I love the way Jesus says that I have overcome the world. And that's, that's speaking already done. It's accomplished. We don't have to wait for this to happen. It's a done deal. He's already has the victory for us. We just have to hold on to him 
and stay faithful through the hard times and the struggles. He's already overcome anything we're going to face. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul said this. I love it. If you remember back in chapter 4, verse 16, he said, Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, the mountains and the seas, right? All those things. We don't fix our eyes on those things, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, those struggles are temporary. What is unseen is eternal. The eternal kingdom of God. You see, we're citizens not of this world, but of the eternal kingdom of God. And all the struggles of this world, they're all temporary, and he's already overcome them all on our behalf. So instead of expecting God to keep us on the mountaintop, let's trust that his grace is enough for us in the valleys and the struggles. Let's stay faithful and keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that Paul has reminded us today that that we have, we have so much to be grateful for, even in the valleys and the struggles, because we have you, your power, your presence, and the peace that only you can give. I pray for that for our church family that's going through hard things right now. Help them to look to you, to, to lean on you, to, to depend on you and your presence for them. And Father, I know it's okay if we ask you to remove the thorn as long as we trust you, even if you don't. We thank you that Paul continued to trust you and serve you, even in the weakness that you allowed him to have in his life because you used him in such powerful ways. Father, we, we want to be used by you too, even in our weaknesses and our struggles. Help us to be that faithful follower of Jesus that you've called us to be. And if there's someone today who needs to, to have that peace that you can give, I pray they would turn to you, but they would turn knowing that your peace doesn't come with the absence of trouble. It transcends the trouble that will come. It remains strong even in the midst of the trouble. That's the peace that you give. And I pray that if anyone needs that in their lives today, they would come to you knowing you are the source of that peace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.